Beyond and hello, everyone. Why are you laughing at me while I'm starting the show? We're going forward with this. Beyond and hello, everyone. This is Podcast Beyond, episode 699, the big one, as you've all been waiting for. I'm your host, Jonathan Dornbush of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. I was laughing because we do the countdown thing at the beginning, and I wasn't sure, should I smile? Like, what face should I, like, freeze <laughs> on? It's always tricky. Uh, we're also joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. Yeah, it was funny just because there was like this really deadly silence that went on for way too long. Anyway, hello. That's what I like to bring the energy to the show. Deadly silence. I think the listeners and viewers really love it. Uh, also, we're joined this week for the first time by Colin Stevens. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, uh, Colin, you're on our social team here at IGN. Uh, I, of course, first knew you as a uh, news freelancer when I was on the news team. We worked together there, uh, and now you're one of our intrepid social team, keeping our uh, wonderful, as the kids say, dank memes alive. Uh, <laughs> but um, for for those who uh, may not know you, are this... Go and write uh, another poem, Dono. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I have a dramatic reading coming up very soon. Um, oh, thank God. For uh, those who may not know you, do you want to give a little bit of just like your uh, PlayStation history, if you will? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Colin. Uh, I am a social copy coordinator for IGN, so I basically just make like Spider-Man and Kirby memes all day, and it's great. It's the greatest <laughs> job I could possibly imagine. Uh, and I just wanted to thank you for bringing me on for episode 699, because it's the sexiest of all triple-digit numbers, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for thinking of me. Um, I get it. Um, uh, and yeah, PlayStation, um, huge PlayStation fan. I never actually had an original PlayStation, so like a lot of my history is me going back in playing PlayStation games and learning about them uh, with fresh eyes. But uh, PS2 onwards, uh, just a huge PlayStation fan. Can't get enough. Nice. Uh, well, we're glad to have you on. We're going to be talking about Ratchet & Clank uh, Rift Apart in a little bit, which I know you're uh, a fellow Ratchet & Clank fan. Uh, before we do a little bit of house cleaning, cleaning uh, this is episode 699. We're off to just a wonderfully weird start. Um, obviously, episode 700 is the next episode. Uh, I don't have official plans to confirm with you right now as we're speaking, uh, but we do want to put something together special, and we're working to do that. Uh, please stay tuned to all of our social feeds. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure to plug us at the end as as well but i'm at jm dornbush uh trains going by my window brian is at agent bizzle lucy is at luso brian and actually colin are you at colin d stevens am i correct um i'm at ign okay um, we'll take that one yeah <laughs> that one works too <laughs> no uh yeah colin d stevens is my actual account Excellent. Uh, well, definitely keep an eye uh, on all of us on Twitter, including Colin. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned for news about that. Uh, the other thing uh, I did want to say uh, before the show starts, though, is, uh, you know, I don't have a poem to celebrate the last 600th episode. But thankfully, our good friends at Microsoft uh, gave me a little bit of a, of a, a piece to read for you. And so I wanted to start it off with some excerpts from Microsoft's review of The Last of Us Part Two. What? They're around. Thank you. The Last of Us Part II, like its predecessor, is first and foremost a narrative adventure game. Fact. This is unlike Naughty Dog's other key franchise, Uncharted, debatable, where the narrative, while very well told, is there more to service the action-adventure gameplay. I'm going to move through this because it's an extremely long, long piece, but uh, here we go. Uh, the gameplay in The Last of Us Part II is an expansion and notable improvement upon the previous game, which gave players little freedom of choice in the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. Most levels in the first game played out like little combat puzzle boxes, where there was a narrowly predetermined right way to finish the mission, which made the effective strategy feel forced upon you. In this new game, the combat areas are significantly larger, the enemy AI greatly improved, and the number of ways you can clear a space or just avoid it altogether are greatly enhanced. That said, Naughty Dog still can't seem to make decent gun combat in any of their games, and this one is no exception. Luckily, luckily for them, it fits in with the game's overall theme and pushes the player toward using stealth over head-on. Head-on doesn't have a word after it. One big gripe about the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay... You know, it's really, head-on. It's head-on. <laughs> it's head-on. what that means. <laughs> was really with Hit the game's up. inventory system. The inputs for weapon switching are all located on the D-pad, and there was no quick switch between current and previous weapons. So unless you've got an additional thumb on your left hand, then you're going to have to take your thumb off the movement controls on the left stick in order to switch weapons, which was noticeably frustrating, excuse me, notably frustrating during the more frenetic combat sequences. 
Players certainly have every right to their subjective feelings and opinions on the game's narrative, on Naughty Dog's choice to make players play as a diametrically opposed protagonist, or in the game's final contentious outcome. But as someone who cares deeply about the evolution and expansion of what storytelling and interactive entertainment can be, that's in all caps, those things ultimately matter less than how incredibly well Naughty Dog have crafted and delivered the story that they, all caps, wanted to tell. Not every game's designs can support the level of visual detail they produce, and not every team has the money or talent needed to produce it, but this game sets a new bar for what we should hope to be able to achieve going into a new generation of consoles. Uh, there, there's more to this review, but I felt it was worth pointing out. Uh, this comes from some of the documents that have been coming out of the uh, massive uh, Epic versus Apple uh, trial that's that's currently happening right now uh, in relation to Fortnite and the App Store and, and iOS in general and stores like that. Uh, Microsoft was involved pretty heavily in regard to their storefront and, and Xbox and Microsoft. And so uh, their sort of internal confidential uh, review recent release highlights, I guess, internal uh, impressions of the game was passed around and is now publicly available as part of these documents. Um, and I mostly just wanted to share that because it's a very funny thing to see Microsoft describing how they felt about The Last of Us Part Two. I don't know how uh, you all felt, Lucy. Maybe I'll start with you on this just uh, well, to start there, I but it's, a, it's want... an interesting read. It is an interesting read. I don't want to get too inside baseball with like, lol, this was so badly written because kudos to Microsoft for actually like, you know, broadening, broadening its horizons, paying attention to what the competition is doing uh, and, and, you know, giving a critical analysis for, for the company to, to read. I mean, full respect. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, The review itself is written like um, a robot wrote it for sure. Uh, there are some phrases in here that uh, are very meaningless, uh, but you know, a lot of buzzwords that float around in, in, in reviews. Uh, what was the one that bothered me so much? God, I've been banging the on The art of all. narrative storytelling. The art of narrative storytelling, truly a meaningless phrase for the ages. I want to put that on a t-shirt. I want it tattooed <laughs> on my ass. I freaking <laughs> love how ridiculously redundant that phrase is. Um, but again, just shout out to Microsoft. I think it's awesome. I would love to read, you know, Sony's review of Halo Infinite when it comes exactly. out. Yeah, I, I, I really want that. Want that too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this is it's good to know that this is happening, right? Like that there are internal sort of documents where uh, people within the company are assessing products that their competitors are making. I, I I'm with you all that this this reads like a '90s video game magazine review. Like it even has like both Mike and John completed the game. It's like good job, boys. <laughs> <You did> it. <laughs> um, but it's also like this. I mean, the fact that it's like it takes lawsuits for this stuff to come out. And Rebecca Valentine uh, at IGN put together this great piece uh, for us, basically talking about how weirdly secretive the video game industry is. And like I don't know, we we all watch movies and we read. Um, you know, you probably see press releases about, you know, the 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 Marvel movies and like stuff on THR and EW and Variety and stuff like that. And the 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 movie side of things is always just like, hey, we're making a movie. Here's the director. Here's the cast. Here's the plot. Here's the release date. Here's the poster. Cool. And on the video game side, they're always like, tee hee hee. Like we, we, put a, <laughs> we put a logo on a balloon and we hit it behind a countdown clock in the building. Can you find it? And you're like, just tell me what you're doing. And like six years later, they're like, the reveal is here. Like, it's so stupid. Um, and I think it's like to the detriment of, of, of the sort of like product development cycle uh, to know so little for so long. But when these lawsuits happen, all this crazy stuff spills out. And this is one of those little tidbits that I feel like we haven't really seen since like the, the Sony hack happened a couple of years ago, which notoriously brought on tons of weird stuff like the um, failed joint partnership between them and the Nintendo Mario movie they were developing internally and a bunch of other fascinating things. So, yeah, I, I love this stuff, even if it is bizarre. Yeah, the um the, that hack, I think the thing I must remember is just Channing Tatum's like all caps text to like high up Sony executives being like, we should do the Men in Black movie together. It would be amazing. <laughs> and then it's just like, OK, he's just that dude in real life. But yeah, yeah. It, this is uh, I, I didn't want to go too depth in depth on the trial because it's still ongoing and we'll likely get more to give a, a fuller picture. But as, as Brian had said, go check out um, the whole news team. Rebecca Valentine's piece was really great. Uh, her, Matt Kim, Kat Bailey. Uh, Julie Alexander, everyone's putting in a ton of work to cover this thing exhaustively because there's a ton coming out of it. And as you said, like there is so much secrecy around these things that 
this this that this happens isn't necessarily a shock, but the fact that we get to see it and get an, a, a glimpse and understanding of how Microsoft views arguably the biggest game from their direct competitor over the last year or two, you know, it's a it's a fascinating insight, uh, especially along with the trial where the judge is trying to make a, a very clear effort to understand video games, but doesn't understand the the full scope of the industry and is very much confused by why everything is so goddamn redacted. Uh, it, it's it also wonderful. Re- it reads like, like this whole review reads like somebody you, you know, but you don't really like did something great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. They don't want I'm to so happy it. for you. Yeah. You're moving to Austin for your dream job. I mean, it gets hot there. <laughs> no, that's like, it's just, it's like kind of catty, which it's, love. yeah. It's really funny. Um, before we move on to uh, a bit of news, I do just want to bring up one last thing, literally, and that is these sneakers, uh, which are PG5s. These are the latest Paul George and PlayStation collaboration. Uh, we have a news article up on IGN with a bunch of uh, more in-depth photos of these guys. Uh, I'm just going to wave them around on the camera for a little bit, but they um, these these are the latest collaboration we've previously shown off the ones that were modeled on the original PlayStation. These are modeled obviously on the PS5, the sort of like blue and white aesthetic. It might be hard to see on this video quality, but some of the uh detail is like the PlayStation face buttons, kind of like the dual sense on the uh the shoes themselves. It's really cool and there's like a little PS5 logo there. There's there's just a whole bunch of like little cool details about these. So definitely go check that out on uh, the website and you can see more in-depth photos and you can apparently get them in NBA 2K. Uh, they'll be available to like put on your players in game, uh, which That's is probably the cool. only place you'll actually be able to find them. It, yeah. Most likely. Yeah, they go on sale uh, via Nike and the sneakers app on May 14th, I believe, May 14th or 17th. I'm going to grab that date. Colin, do you remember? 14th. Since 14th, 14th. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of numbers floating around in my head, so I appreciate the backup. <laughs> if you've um, never used the sneakers app, um, but you've been trying to get a PS5 since launch, it's just like that, but every single day. And so this is a wonderful yeah. convergence of things that are just like impossible to get uh, that are overrun by scalpers in the secondhand market. Uh, I, it's, it's wow. Just <laughs> Do you know that in 2006, they made PlayStation Air Force Ones that go for like $60,000 now? Jesus. Like... Hold on to those. Hold on to, yeah, hold on to your shoes. Um, they send those to you in your size? Yeah, they are in my size. So yes, I can. I don't know why they looked so big to me. It looked like some weird <laughs> camera. It looked like the Bidens next to the Carters. The Carters. With that weird yeah, it image. Did. It looked like giants next to you. And I don't know why it looked so big. Colin, to me. next you have, yeah. you have to be like, so what size are they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, people have already been asking. There's been a lot of tweets where you're like, do you but, need those um, though? Yeah. <laughs> what, what size are they actually? Like, yes, stranger I've never spoken to. Here you go. Um, but moving on from those, uh, I do want to get to, uh, there, there's quite a bit of sort of like PlayStation uh, news and some, some impressions and whatnot that I want to get to. Uh, the first thing that I want to cover because we were not able to last week was the Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart State of Play. Uh, of course, the State of Play also confirmed that Among Us is coming to PlayStation with uh, Ratchet and Clank exclusive uh, cosmetics, and that Subnautica Below Zero will also be coming to PlayStation as well. But Ratchet and Clank was sort of the marquee uh, 15 minutes of new gameplay. We got to look at uh, a little bit more of an understanding of the story setup. Uh, Ratchet and the the new Lombax, whose name is Rivet, uh, who, along with their reveals, we've also gotten excellent gifts on Twitter of Rivet as uh, Agatha from WandaVision and Ratchet as Zemo from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's perfect. Um, but uh, I, I do want to sort of get into the nitty gritty of it all. But and I think it's fair to say that Colin and I are the the larger Ratchet and Clank fans here. But so just to start with like general impressions, I did want to hear. Um, from you, Brian and Lucy and Brian, I'll start with you of what you thought of the, the state of play presentation. Uh, I really, I thought that the presentation as a whole was sort of disjointed, but that's kind of the theme with them now. It did feel a little bit like they just kind of grabbed a couple of things and glued them together, which is fine. Uh, they speed run through the first two, uh, uh, news stories, which one of us was basically among us is coming to, to PlayStation five. Um, but then they got into the ratchet and clank stuff which I admittedly only got a few minutes into and then noped out of a because of spoiler stuff. I kind of want to go in a little bit more blind and B because um, traditionally after they air these things live, they put up the 4k feed and it is infinitely more beautiful to look at. So I actually watched the first few minutes twice uh, once as it aired and a few minutes later when they put up like the, the high def one that like, if you haven't done that, please go back and watch it. It will give you such a better understanding of how absolutely stunning this game is. It's seriously one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen 
uh, in my entire life. Yeah, I, I cannot recommend enough to as much as I hate to say this, as long as they do them the same way, never watch a state of play live because it will mm-hmm. always look worse than what I, I just straight up waited 20 minutes. And as you said, I, I waited to watch the 4K and it is just so infinitely more. Also, it's it's more tuned to the experience you're going to get, but it's also just more enjoyable to watch as a, you know, like curated piece of content. Um, and, and as Brian was saying, like the detail here is ridiculous. And and before uh, Colin and I maybe get into a little bit nitty gritty, Lucy, I just wanted to get any sort of general thoughts from you. Yeah, I mean, I when okay in 1996 when Crash Bandicoot first came out, <laughs> and I went around to my friend's house. Like her parents had quite a bit of money, and like they bought her brother a PlayStation. And um, he was playing Crash Bandicoot, and up until then, I'd never seen a PlayStation game. Like, I just had my Sega uh, Mega Drive. And when I saw him playing Crash Bandicoot, I was like, there is no way computer graphics, because that's what you call them when you're a kid, right? There is no way computer graphics can get better than this. Like, this is the pinnacle. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And I hadn't felt that feeling again until I saw the 4K gameplay of this game, like, you know, whenever it aired, was it last week, I don't recall. It is the most stunning, like, you know, I'm echoing what what Brian said here, but, like, it is just incredibly eye-meltingly stunning. Like, I I cannot get over how beautiful it is, and it is, is like, it is everything. It is, like, the best-looking game I've seen since Crash Bandicoot, it is, um, <laughs> it is, it is, uh, it is also, you know, very, it looks very next gen in that way that, you know, we haven't really quite seen yet. Um, until now I am just, and you know, I never played, I never played Ratchet and Clank. So this is, you know, I'm going to go back and play and play them before, uh, I get my hands on this, but I just, I was blown away it is just exquisite to look at and i yeah i'm rocked to my core <laughs> anyway uh, the best looking game since crash bandicoot insomniac you have your back of the box quote because you can put like <laughs> you can put like since crash bandicoot 1996 <laughs> exactly yes excuse me um but no yeah and and colin i do i do want to get to your thoughts in just a second but yeah just to sort of give a, a brief like immediate impression for me as a longtime Ratchet and Clank fan too it was as you as you both have said like just the attention to detail and and I do want to because I think there's even more here especially on a like gameplay level and a and a uh offerings level that really makes it seem like a huge robust thing but like this just feels like Insomniac showing off at this point and I kind of love it because like (laughs) this is this is year one of the PS5 that they're doing this in. Like they've they launched Miles Morales and Spider-Man Remastered Day One. Uh, this is coming out six months later. Like they are them becoming a part of the Sony first party stable is just so exciting to me to see, especially them put this all out within a six, seven month period. Like what a what a great uh you know introduction to the generation but also man what are they going to be able to do five years from now on ps5 oh my like, god i'm just it's making me crave the next horizon so yeah. hard yeah it's it's incredible the the level of fidelity and detail we're getting here um you, you sort of see the the thrust of the the state of play was largely around uh this introductory sequence for ratchet after clank has gone missing for him uh, and Clank is now with Rivet at that point. Um, I won't get too much into the story beyond that, but uh, you, you get a sense of this is definitely very early in the game, and you're just kind of getting your feet into Ratchet's uh, adventure. But it's it's such a stunning cityscape, uh, you know, down to the puddles and the amazing lighting effects that are going on, to the wider uh, sort of backdrop of this metropolis and the just incredible amount of detail you see in the horizon. It, it looks. It just looks stunning. I, I cannot wait to play this thing on it on a proper 4K TV on PS5. Um, Colin, what were your sort of big takeaways from this data play? Yeah, um, just to touch on the visuals really quick again. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, when Sony previewed and released um, Ratchet & Clank Future Tools of Destruction on the PS3. Because like that was also one of like the first big post-launch exclusives for that system. And it was like a really big... like graphical showcase and like what this looks like now what like i thought that looked like back in like 2006 or whatever when it came out i'm sure it kind of looks a little bit 
gnarly now compared to how <laughs> I thought it did. But like, yeah, it's just Insomniac is so good at sort of showcasing what a system can do early on in its life cycle. And it's it's been so long since we've gotten like a full-blown Ratchet and Clank game. Um, I, I was looking into this and the last what I would consider to be like brand new full-length uh, Ratchet and Clank game was probably a crack in time. And that was yeah. 2009. So it's basically been 12 years since we've had a full-blown, brand new, not remade Ratchet and Clank game. And this is like exactly what I wanted in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Yeah, it um you know, we've had into the Nexus in between the 2016 remake uh reboot sort of thing. But yeah, this feels so expansive and I, I think that was one thing that the the state of play got across really well and and Colin, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, but it was you know, seeing not just that we'll have Ratchet's main adventure, Rivet's main adventure, but all these little side things like there will be pocket dimensions that are totally side to the story. There will be a glitch, which seems to be this new robot as well, who will have their own side missions. Uh, there will be flight combat. There will be, you know, uh, these major set pieces in these these big cities and everything. There's just, they just seem to keep adding all those little things. There will obviously be some like Clank specific gameplay as well. It, it feels like, as you were saying, the full length adventure I've been craving from Ratchet and Clank for a very long time. And I'm so glad they're like getting the chance to make it now. It's also, I mean, like I, I would never describe uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales as games that held back Insomniac by any means. But <laughs> they are ultimately playing in somebody else's playground, which is, you know, a billion dollar IP owned by a massive studio that's been around for ages. And so I do think that there is probably somewhat of a ceiling on how bizarre or weird or creative they can get with, with that world obviously they go nuts with it and miles especially is just like there there's just insane things happening in terms of particle effects and lighting and you know just creativity up the wazoo but this is this is a whole new world this is this is an ip that is owned and operated by them and it feels like they're just like throwing everything at the wall and and it's working like they they, they basically can go in and just say hey what if we did this what if we did that what if we kept stacking more and more powers and objectives and uh moves and and just crazy, unique ideas, enemy design. Like they're just going totally bonkers with it. They're really going for it. And I, I love that about it. Yeah, it's um, it's really thrilling to see this. And, you know, we've in past previews gotten a, a look at the uh, the portal jumping gameplay and all of that stuff. But I think what's really exciting here is to see that it's more than just that as like a gimmick. Uh, like there is so much more going on here. And, and Colin, I'm a, a little curious to hear just your thoughts on like, the general gameplay that we saw with some of the weapons and the 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 landscapes that we saw the environments how how did uh, all that strike you as as a longer time Ratchet and Clank fan? Yeah, uh, so uh, I had I had played the Ratchet and Clank PS4 game again um, because Sony like made it its life goal to make sure that that game was free in as many ways as possible for people to play it. Um, uh, and it what struck me was like how sort of planted you are in that game and in really all previous Ratchet and Clank games. You know, for for a video game where you have like a, a rocket powered uh, robot on your back that like can shoot you up in the air, you, it really it does sort of have you on the ground a lot. And you can strafe and you can do flips and stuff. But like the big thing here that like really got me excited was sort of like the dash mechanics. It, it seems like it's so much more fluid and so much more like. Uh, energetic and quick paced um because you really didn't have that sort of dodge mechanic at least i don't recall in in past uh ratchet and clank games and so having that i think will make things like way more frenetic way more fast paced and then combining that with like these amazing uh weapons there's the i can't remember what they called it but the one where it basically just turned everything into plants when it's yes, uh, yeah. used a sp sprinkler sprinkler on them and it looked gorgeous and, and there was some grenade that like they threw it and exploded and that explosion looked like it could have been from like raya and the last dragon like some server farm like generated disney movie um and like it just everything everything seems like it's running on all cylinders i like, think that's it, doing it, that it, movie a disservice colin come on now. <laughs> okay well regardless <laughs> we'll save that for our disney uh, show of course the uh, the topiary something or other yeah, I saw the topiary for a sprinkler was just up there yeah um yeah uh that's a million dollar word i can't keep that in my brain um <laughs> but uh yeah, it just it's, the gameplay really just looks. Excuse the pun. Ratcheted up uh, quite a bit, so I'm 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 really excited about hands on this. <laughs> uh, clank it up. Um, yeah, no, it's 
I think that's one thing that was exciting to me. And I think Brian maybe speaks a little bit to your point about like the, the whole Spider-Man of it all. Like as much as we love those games, Spider-Man's list of gadgets could only be so much because it's in a grounded world. It's, um, you know, based on what Peter can produce and all that stuff and, and the things he has at his uh, disposal. Here it can just be whatever silly idea they have. You know, this is a series that is famous for its disco ball throwing guns and the gut, the sheepinator uh, or the goatinator if you, you uh, level it up. Like they, they are known for the wackiest, weirdest things. And to see something like the topiary sprinkler, like I hope that's just an indication of several more weird ones to come because it's, it's so fun to see the way they can make combat be hilarious at the same time it is like challenging and rewarding to go through that said uh avengers endgame did end with you know hundreds of people jumping through purple circles and they are going into multiverse territory in the mcu (laughs) so potentially we could get a spider-man game where he also jumps through purple circles that that's what all games should have more of purple circles is i think the 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 key back of the box uh feature that you want to list it's so hard for you guys to say isn't it Purple circles. Yeah. Yeah. Hot Oz. It, it, <laughs> it feels like one of those warm ups that you would do before a play, like the. Or like it's less the say. R's and more just our, our failed education system. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's, you know, we're, we're a little bit over a month out to Ratchet and Clank, and I'm sure we'll see more before then, or, you know, hopefully around launch, be able to talk about it quite a bit. But uh, yeah, overall, this was something that I think we've needed for a long time because we've been pretty much just relying on that single extended gameplay look for the last six, seven months, which as great as it looked was very much like a, like an E3 slice where you're like, I can see what the game could be, but I don't have a full understanding of it. This felt more like a, here's the scope of the game. And it, it just seems so layered, so dense Uh, and shout out to them also for, uh, putting it up there toward the end of the state of play, but saying that they'll have more to show off later. Uh, the accessibility features in the game seem very extensive. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy that they made the time for that, that they said they're going to um, give more time to that later on. Uh, I think Spider-Man and especially with Miles Morales and remastered were uh, got a lot of very great acclaim as they should have for their suite of accessibility features. And I'm glad to see that that's coming to Ratchet too. Uh, just because even, you know, both of these, I think are such mass appeal sort of franchises or can be uh, that. I think that's a great, a great goal for them to strive for. I guess um, I think it's important not, to like, like to not look at this game anymore. Fair yeah, enough. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sold. <laughs> I think a couple of episodes back, I was having a bit of a, whine about uh how you know playstation wasn't sort of giving ps5 owners or those looking to buy a ps5 this year uh enough to kind of like chew on um post post launch and this is really scratch that itch i mix my metaphors but it really like you know in terms of like, i keep going back to in terms of like promising what the ps5 can do um now and you know the potential that it has uh this is just such a showcase for it like this is to me this is a real system seller of a of a showcase and hopefully the game delivers absolutely yeah especially um i i think a lot of the the story of this next gen uh launch has been well it's a lot of cross-gen so you don't need to worry uh, especially while these things are so hard to find. But uh, I think with Returnal, Demon Souls, and, and now especially, I think Ratchet and Clank really is the one that is like, here's the start of where things are really going in next gen. It's really, really exciting to see. Um, hopefully before, they can fix the other problem of uh, allowing people to buy their console. To buy the no. thing. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get there. It probably just not soon. Um, before we, we move on, in terms of uh, a more sort of in-depth look at the accessibility stuff, I did just want to shout out a uh, former guest of the show, uh, Laura Kate Dale, when the uh, State of Play happened, uh, did a phenomenal uh, in-depth uh, Twitter thread about all of the accessibility features. Uh, so if you want a sort of uh, closer look at someone especially more involved and entrenched in that uh, community and uh, about looking into accessibility in gaming, uh, go check out uh, Laura's Twitter feed. You can find them at Laura K Buzz uh, for more. And it was a really, really great, insightful feed. Uh, moving on from there, before we, we leave Insomniac completely, did just want to briefly mention uh, Sony has apparently recently trademarked Sunset Overdrive, which of course so far has only been an Xbox exclusive, uh, came to PC in 2018. Uh, which was before Sony owned or acquired uh, Insomniac completely in 2019. But, uh, you know, it's another sort of 
breadcrumb of hope for Sunset Overdrive maybe not being dead or for at least a port of some kind coming to PlayStation. Uh, if you're an Insomniac fan and you have either an Xbox or a PC that can play it, uh, I can't recommend going to check out Sunset Overdrive enough, like sort of speaking to the the creativity that Brian was mentioning of getting to play within their own wheelhouse um, and, and just getting to like go all out with just a strange, weird, fun, uh, really kinetic and exciting experience. Sunset Overdrive is such a great game. Um, yeah, I feel like they did they they went with Xbox originally because Sony wanted to own the rights to the IP and they wanted to retain them independently. Correct. I believe that was the story. I'd have to uh, double check, but I, I remember that being at least some of why Insomniac took a little bit of a break from their PlayStation relationship. I, I think at least from interviews and stuff that was given at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope this game makes it to PS uh, five. It's so awesome and totally slept on. Um, I think people ignored it at the time because, you know, I, I don't think Insomniac's always been fantastic, but they, their buzz is at a different level these days. And yeah. so I think that like there was there was a lot of excitement around this, you know, patent reveal uh, because <laughs> this is this is hot off of, you know, Ratchet and Clank and and Miles Morales and Spider-Man. And now people are like, oh, yeah, it's that studio. That's what they do. Um, so hopefully people I, I, I love when games like this get a second chance because um, it is so awesome. And I feel like not enough people played it. So I, I really hope it, it it gets another one. Yeah, I mean, I think Sean Layden said at the time of the acquisition, um, that you know that it wasn't a massive focus uh, and then again this was back in 2019 you know saying sunset overdrive was great for for insomniac at the time but now you know where their attention is 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 towards spider-man and, and ratchet and clank um what i would like to see is a remake of this uh and that, that takes advantage of the ps5 and introduces sunset overdrive to an, a new audience because one of the problems with the original release was that just not enough people played it um, and I would love to see more people play it on a, on a, you know, a, a more advanced console and then potentially see what they can do with the, uh, you know, with the IP from there. So I, I'm not in a, in a great hurry to see some kind of like sequel from Insomniac. I think, as you said, Altano, like their attentions are, I, I think, you know, they've evolved since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be great to see this expanded to a new audience and then see what we can do with it. Yeah, it's um, it, I I totally agree with you. I think it it needs a reintroduction, especially on PlayStation, before they moved on to a sequel. But um, it it's another little bit of hope, especially alongside uh, the game's uh, director Drew Murray recently rejoining Insomniac Games uh, after being at the Initiative uh, Microsoft Studio working on Perfect Dark uh, for a little while. Uh, he's rejoined Insomniac, so perhaps there is hope in Sunset Overdrive. But for now, uh, you'll need an Xbox or a PC to play it. Uh, but hopefully, that changes later on. Uh, moving forward with a little bit of news, uh, did just briefly want to mention, uh, before we get into some stuff we've been playing and whatnot, uh, PlayStation has announced they've acquired a minority interest in Discord, uh, and there will be sort of a, a PlayStation and Discord integration coming sometime next year. Uh, so PlayStation has not fully acquired Discord. They're still, you know, th- their own company and able to work with other uh, other companies as well, but this sort of came after uh, a lot of reports that Microsoft was interested in buying out Discord, uh, and then PlayStation uh, via a blog post by Jim Ryan kind of came in and was like, "We're actually friends now," uh, and we saw them sort of discussing the the plans for the future and, and what that will entail. Uh, we don't have a full scope of it, but essentially they want to connect Discord, uh, as it says in the blog post, "quote with your social and gaming experience on PlayStation Network." Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily while playing games together. Um, I do want to hear some of all of your thoughts, but just to briefly say, I've been using Discord more and more as a a part of my gaming life, uh, whether it's chatting with people for like... Uh, you know, multiplayer or just w- what people are playing and whatnot, it's become more and more a facet of that. And PlayStation's party system has always been a little bit, I think, contentious with the general PlayStation fan base. It's not always been the most loved feature. So I think them saying, well, rather than us keep trying to tweak this thing that people don't love, we'll just partner with the people who obviously are one of the most used platforms for that, I think is just a very smart, sensible move. Yeah, anything that like unifies communication is always going to be a plus. 
I think it's extremely smart to do it this way. And as you say, Dorno just going to where the gamers are instead of like appealing to bring them towards a different uh, mode of communication. This is this is very smart. This is Sony listening to the audience, looking at where the audience uh, is. Um, I, I think it's, you know, there's not a huge amount to say about it other than it's a very, very good business move. And it's also a great uh, consumer fronted move as well. Yeah, Discord is awesome. It's, uh, I mean, it's been a, a savior in the pandemic. I, I don't know how we would have done this pandemic 10 years ago with just like crappy, <laughs> crappy versions <laughs> of Discord. We're literally on Discord right now. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see PlayStation integrate with it. Um, that's great. Do it. This uh, the show wouldn't probably be happening if it was without Discord. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely an exciting thing to see. And I think speaks to their sort of emphasis on partnerships over immediate acquisitions. But uh, it's it's an exciting thing to continue seeing uh, before we move into what we're playing. I did just briefly want to mention uh, as silly as timing is Returnal is set to get an update today uh, with the details of what that update will entail. Uh, we don't know what that is as we're recording. We're recording, unfortunately, about an hour before that update will be announced. <laughs> um, so obviously, if it's anything big, you can find coverage of it on IGN or on your PlayStation. But uh, I was amused by the fact that the the update came with the news that or the, the warning of make sure you either have finished a run or turn off auto updates, because obviously I think one of the biggest conversations around Returnal that has popped up since its launch has been the fact that there are no save states. Uh, if you're in the middle of a run, you're locked into that run. Uh, you can't save it and put it down for later other than in rest mode. Um, I think it's sort of put into very sharp relief the the want for a quick resume feature on PlayStation more than anything, um, you know, to avoid this in general. But uh, obviously, I think people are hoping for a save feature. I would be shocked personally if they were able to add it that quickly. Uh, that yeah. feels like a pretty major implementation that I think could come down the line in a month or two, maybe, or, you know, a little bit longer. But I cannot imagine a week after launch them being able to functionally have that ready to go. Um, yeah. Yeah, this has been kind of a thing. I, I, um, it feels like it's it's once again trudged up that ancient and terrible, you know, awful toxic argument about you know accessibility and easy mode and it, it, things get very gatekeepy there. I feel like this is a slightly more muted version of that conversation because uh, from the jump, uh, Housemark said, "Hey, use rest mode." Uh, like we're actually imploring you to use rest mode in the middle of a run. This is not one of those things where you have to sit down and hold your piss <laughs> until you finish like <laughs> they were like there's a solution here but then they're also beaming auto updates to the game that were uh canceling out people's runs uh playstation 5 itself was updating and uh rebooting rest uh, the, the the rest mode stuff um yeah I, i'm with you like quick resume on xbox is awesome it, it's like 10 or 11 games you can unplug your system on series x and i, I don't know how that works but it just remembers um and so I would like them to see some uh, implement something like that here. I was thinking a lot about uh, I was in a meeting about uh, roguelikes with a bunch of IGN folk the other day, and I was talking about Binding of Isaac, which is you know one of the best roguelike games ever made, and it does a really interesting. It handles this this, this scenario very interestingly in that you uh, hypothetically do get a save state. Um, you can launch back into where you were, but once you do that, it's gone. So. Um, that, I think that's a that's like a so you you don't have people save scumming and basically cheesing their way through the game, which personally I don't care if you do because this is ultimately a single player game. So um, maybe disable that for the leaderboards or whatever, but I don't care about that part. But in terms of just like bringing you back to where you were, I feel like that's the best solution for it. Um, Housemark said they're like they're reading feedback about it, which means that this wasn't a straight up like no. <laughs> This is only for hardcore gamers, because if they're already telling you, you know, use rest mode, that means they have they have a foot in the door on be you know, uh, the idea of being a little bit open to being OK with this being a feature added down the line. But I'm with you, Jonathan, like I, I mean, and I don't know how games are designed, but this feels like a decision that was made very early on in the development process. And it could take some time to get back to where it needs to be. Uh, that said, if you're looking for easy mode in the meantime, there's a Reddit thread going around today where somebody figured out that if you plug in a USB keyboard on your PS5, a thing I've never thought to do, you can type in old school cheat codes. And I saw like, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, get, you know, st start with special guns and, uh, re you know, reboot on certain runs and stuff like that. So that's what you're looking for. Go for it. Have at it. It's your game. You bought it. I don't care what you do with it. I'm not going to gatekeep you. 
go go uh, have fun with it. Uh, just just to uh, hop off that very quickly, uh, actually breaking the patch notes did come out early, so cool. I can't actually say them. They don't have any mention of save state stuff. I think. Uh, as we were saying, it's very understandable that that'll be later. Uh, largely, it's fixing an issue where certain trophies might not unlock under specific gameplay conditions. People are having trophy issues. Unfortunately, the trophies will need to be replayed to unlock. Um, stability fixes addressed uh, for crash. <laughs> you got to do it again. Uh, for crashes and sort of like stuttering hangs in the game, uh, people who pre-ordered had multiple suits that you could unlock, a thing I had no idea existed, uh, but people were unable to get them or they were blocking other item collection and door opening. Uh, fixed incorrect healing behavior when resting in your ship. Uh, configuration changes to increase the number of uh, scout corpses available in all biomes. This is a thing that a few of us who were playing pre-launch saw a lot of other people's uh, dead Selene's on the ground, saw where they died, the cause of it. You could run into them and it would cause a new encounter. Those seem to just kind of disappear for most players when the game actually launched. Uh, those are seemingly integrated back in. Fixed issues with certain custom controller mappings and other fixes and improvements. So yeah, as we were saying, I think any sort of feature like that, I would not expect to come, you know, a couple weeks after launch. Uh, I, I think uh, this is something that, if it does come, will be a couple months, weeks at best, but probably a few months down the line, unfortunately. I had uh, some players on Twitter tell me that they had this borderline game-breaking bug where they weren't able to go through certain doors. So hopefully, I mean, it sounds like they... There's something in, in the patch notes about doors. Hopefully yes, the doors yeah. are, are good now. <laughs> yes. Uh, I like when the doors work in video games. <laughs> it's it's nice when the doors in a game where you have to go through a lot of doors do in fact work. But uh, as we learned from uh, Naughty Dog and several other people on Twitter, doors are notoriously difficult to make in video games. Um, moving, moving on from there, though, just to get into a little bit of what we've been playing right now. Uh, Colin, I want to start with you uh, as the, the newest guest on the show. What What have you been playing recently that you've been enjoying? Um, I have been playing every Resident Evil game, um, every mainline Resident Evil game. Uh, I'm extremely excited for Village. Um, the reviews just came out for it this morning. Uh, our reviewer, Tristan, gave it an 8 for great, which means it's a great game. So if you're excited about it, you should probably pick it up and play it. Um, uh, but as I, I think all of you might have been in this meeting with me, but I kind of embarrassingly, embarrassingly <laughs> revealed that my first uh, Resident Evil was Evil 5. Um, which yeah. is such a weird place to start. Um, I was I just, there, Colin. I remember <laughs> <yeah>. it. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I rented it, and me and my best friend from childhood like played through almost the entire game in one sitting, and that game co-op is pretty fun. It's like maybe not an amazingly well-designed game, but it is pretty fun co-op. Um, and then like my experience with Resident Evil had been so scattershot. Like, I tried playing 4 a few times, uh, but I was too scared. <laughs> Um, and I kept buying it, thinking that, like, I'll be less scared this time, and the third time I bought that friggin' game, um, I finally beat it, and now it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of my top ten favorite games. I adore oh, Resident Evil. A lot of therapists say that that's a good solution for, like, phobia. So if you see a spider outside, throw money at it until you're okay with it. Yeah, it's CBT. It really does work. It's CBT. <laughs> and so, yeah, my experience was, like, so scattershot that, like, I have never played through it in order, um, and one of the cool things about Resident Evil is all the mainline entries really do sort of progress chronologically. Um, so I just, I literally started at zero with Resident Evil Zero, and I've just been playing all the way through, and I beat Seven like three days ago, and so I'm all revved up and ready to go for Village. Well, Wait, so you, I, I need you beat to... Six, too? I yeah uh, yeah I did I did. Okay 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 so, okay okay. What no wait? What was your favorite, and what was your least favorite of all the Resident Evil games? Yes. Oh, easy. It's the it's the traditional answer. Four is my favorite. Six is my least favorite. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is bizarre because I well, it's not that bizarre. I mean, there's a brand new Resident Evil game coming out this week, so I think we both got bitten by this. I'm game. playing <laughs> seven, also, guys. Yeah. What's going on? I uh, I'm a gigantic Resident Evil fan, and I just finished a feature for IGN: Seven Things You Don't Know About Resident Evil. So it got me like kind of replaying a bunch of the games, and I realized there's a couple of them that were blind spots to me. Uh, five I played through once when it first came out and really, really didn't like. I was just like really angry at it for taking all of the sort of ramping up all the most like kind of actiony parts in the in the, the the last third of Resident Evil Four and turning that into a whole game. And then six I literally never played, and so I just <laughs> replayed five like a week ago um, and liked it a lot more. There's a lot of stuff that 
has definitely not aged well. Um, but then uh, I'm actually playing through six as we speak for the very first time, and it is completely bizarre. It is such a <laughs> it is such a weird departure from everything else. But uh, like two or three, about to say like two hours in a Leon's campaign, um, mm. it started to click a little bit, and I was like, oh, there's actually some really interesting ideas here, some really cool settings. Some really like kind of fun boss fights the whole game is bizarre because you're just running around like everything is done on your cell phone and it, it's super <laughs> ragdoggy uh, ragdolly there's like a um like a dodge move and it just it everything feels off like everything after coming off of four and five which feel you know like spiritual successors six is such a bizarre departure but in as a whole the franchise is so weird and i'm like actually hard pressed to find a video game franchise that's this all over the place that goes from fixed camera perspectives to, you know, kind of over the shoulder, uh, stop and shoot third person shooters with action oriented sequences to FPS games to like uh, survival horror. There's remakes, demakes in the middle of all of it. Like, it's super weird to like, see, it's not like, like Lucy, you're watching all the Fast and Furious movies right now. Mm -hmm. Those are like ostensibly like similar, like there's a lot of like, sort of like there, you know, there's, there's obviously the quality goes all over the place there, but in terms of like genre and stuff like that, you're like, I, you know, there's a, there's a theme here that we're following. Mm -hmm, Resident mm -hmm. Evil is so weird to replay. Like they're all over the place. I agree. And that's one of the reasons why I love the Resident Evil series. However, I am the same as you, Altano. I, I played everything, um, apart from maybe the, the most obscure, you know, maybe DS games. <laughs> they were Resident Evil DS games, right? Or am I yeah, thinking silence, that? Yeah, it's a it's a touchscreen remake of the original one, right? Um, but I I, I started <laughs> six in in twenty twelve when it came out. I played through one campaign because you can play through it's you get three, right? Is it three? Three or four? Yeah. Three or four? Yeah, from what I've heard, they keep getting worse. So I played through one campaign and I was just like this is everything i hate this i was like and again I haven't, I haven't touched this since 2012 but i was like i hate this this is everything that i don't like about the resident evil series amped up to 11 like it was just it was not scary it was just super like action the bro-y like just not what resident evil is um i may revisit it upon your verdict just now uh, because I do kind of want to be that completionist and I really want to have like the full legacy before I, you know, behind me before I, I, I reach village, but mm -hmm. holy shit, that game is rough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it, it had an identity crisis for a while there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I would argue it still kind of does to some degree, but like there was, there were two sort of opposing ideologies of what that franchise should be. And there were people being like, survival horror and there are other people being like call of duty <laughs> and you're like yeah. what do you want to be and resident evil 6 is just this bizarre jack of all trades of trying to appease all of those things right I, I will say that at the very least it's incredibly ambitious and i would rather watch or experience something that's bad but like really swinging for the fences in a lot of ways than just like kind of bad and and tepid and you know mediocre run-of-the-mill um but at the very least i will say that leon's campaign is interesting it's I bought like there was a sale of Resident Evil games on Xbox recently. So I think I bought six for like seven bucks. And mm. I'm like, that's about as much as you deserve in 2021. The yeah. bad Here's news there. is Leon's campaign is probably the best one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, six is just really frustrating on a lot of levels because like there's good stuff in there. There's a lot of really cool creature designs and like the inner like secting stories is like pulled in a pretty interesting way it's just completely crumbles under its own weight like it, they tried to do too much it's way too long uh playing through all four of those campaigns is just yeesh like get me out of here um, I looked up how long to beat for that game and it said like 21 or 22 hours and i was like oh why yeah <laughs> I, like, yeah I know that, it's i know that the remakes kind of like return to i know that a lot of people didn't like three but i really enjoyed the three re remake um but i know that the remakes kind of like almost soft rebooted what you know we loved about the resident evil series and hyper focused on what made them great and you know played a rift rift on what made them great in interesting ways but i do feel like seven was a true return to i think seven seven more effectively 
no, that's a lie. Cause I think Resident Evil 2 remake is the best Resident Evil game. But I think in terms of like, in terms of, um, you know, the mainline series, I think Resident Evil 7 did a really good job at, uh, bringing the series in step with what like modern survival horror looks like in, you know, like the stuff that scares us now and how far we've evolved from the, the creepy old zombies. Um, while also maintaining re of Resident Evil kind of weirdness. I think what's interesting about Tristan's review of, of eight. And, um, of course, you know, I can't speak to it cause I haven't played it at, you know, they sort of softened the, the, the all out balls out terror of seven because seven was very much like, you know, it had that kind of alien isolation. Like you are being pursued and there is nothing you can do about it. You are absolutely at the mercy of, you know, a terrifying AI. And, uh, and Tristan's review said, well, they've kind of like, they've dulled that a little bit. And I don't know, I, I'm curious as to how we're all going to sort of feel about that. For me, I prefer the, I prefer the like white knuckle terror. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you and I are both gigantic horror fans. So like I, reading that, I was like a little bit like, oh man, like there are, there are parts of Seven that I still think about as if they were real places that I visited that I almost crap my pants like there yeah. are like genuinely <laughs> like the basement of seven the like oh God. That, oh. that weird back swamp house with that old lady walking around like i think about that place a lot like it's a yeah. real place i went to like i went on a on a vacation and i had to stay at a bad hotel like that's how i think about that um, <laughs> this is this is like not really a hot take but i'm i'm immeasurably excited for eight i sort of wish it was uh like a third person game i don't think the gunplay in these games are particularly good I revisited seven recently and even playing the demos for eight. I'm like, I love everything here, but actually like shooting things is not as fun for me. It feels, it's always feels kind of mushy. And so, um, I'll play the hell out of it and I can't wait for it. But I, I do wish that this was like, like I'm reading all these things about Resident Evil four. Tristan's review. The first sentence says like, first thing I thought I was Resident Evil four. And I was like, Ooh, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but same. if this was a third person game, I think I'd be, I, it's through the stratus stratosphere excited but you know i'm still there i'm still very high up on it yeah yes i was i was listening <laughs> i just had to turn my light back on no i i'm very much there as i've been playing through seven in the past week because i never finished it uh and even though everyone decries the ending i just kind of wanted to finish it to have said i did before the the game comes out and i'm totally with you like there's the the sense of space and atmosphere they build is just so so all-consuming and unrelenting but in a way that i i can't get enough of and so i i am very curious to see how the tonal shift uh back to sort of more of a balance of the scary and the weird will will work here but as someone who hasn't played re4 yet uh i'm, I'm curious to see how village uh plays out but yeah I, i'm i'm equally excited as all of you are um lucy what what have you been playing that you okay i'll go i'll go fast um so i've just started playing dead by daylight because as a horror fan i figured like this is a blind spot for me and i like they keep introducing new characters uh from you know the hall of great horror uh protagonists and and uh, I, I'm terrible at it. I haven't figured out the perk system at all. I'm playing it as you would like play it out in a horror scenario. I just run and hide. I don't use, I don't know how to use my perks very well. I don't know how to like collaborate with my fellow like survivors. Um, playing as a killer is so much fun. Have you guys played this? Yeah. I have not. Yeah, like yeah. playing as the killer is so much fun, and it's just like it is. It's disturbingly, <laughs> it's disturbingly like gives you a real rush of power. <laughs> like it's like I was playing, and I was like, should I be enjoying it this much? Like I'm just like dragging people, screaming, and throwing them on hooks, and like cackling away to myself. It's messed um, up for sure. <laughs> it's really messed up like that that like it really empowers you to be this like evil creature. Um I I I I'm really digging it. Like I again I've only just started playing. I've only dipped my toes in. Um but I would love any tips that you have for, you know, getting better because right now I'm like I'm, I'm a very messy messy player, but I'm I, I'm really digging it. I'm really digging how it feels like playing a, a horror movie in the best kind of way. You you can tell it was like crafted by people who genuinely care about the genre. Um, I I think it's like legit, probably probably the best asymmetrical multiplayer game out there. And like I don't that that's not necessarily my my universe, you know. But I I love that game. Like I'll hop in every now and then and just do what you did, Lucy, was just like 
hang teenagers on hooks for a couple hours. Like, I don't know how that made me feel, but uh, why did I enjoy that so much? What does that say? Well, I've had a stressful day at work. Yeah. I just need to hang some teenagers on a hook. And being, <laughs> down. How do you being a teen- teenager getting stalked by somebody in that game is legit terrifying. Like, there's It's so scary. It does a really good job of building tension. It does a really good job of making you feel like you have you're powerless and all you can really do is run and hide and poop your pants. Uh, um and i just quickly wanted to also just because i saw that colin's been playing it as well i just want i I started playing undertale for the first time i'm sort of just going through these like blind spot games for me like like sort of you know piles of shame i guess um and undertale is one that i've never played before um yeah it's it's definitely interesting i think it's been hyped up a little uh, a little too much for me Uh, i was very like ready for a sort of meta experience and um and while i'm enjoying it i'm sort of like okay what what else what else is there to this you know like i need more like uh but no I, I'm, I'm digging it it's interesting it's weird it's just uh yeah i'm waiting i'm waiting for it to click i suppose i've, I've had a super similar experience uh right. to lucy with this and I, the funny thing is i think we got the same idea to play it at the same time because we were in that meeting where i revealed my shame of playing resident evil 5 as my first resident evil and we were talking about undertale and i'm like I really should play this game. Like I love Mother and Earthbound and 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 I know it's quirky and I love RPGs. And then I looked up along to beat.com and it was like, oh, five hours. I'm like, oh yeah, I could definitely beat that before Village comes out. And so I played through it and I think it's a great game. I think it's super creative and interesting. And I get why so many people adore that game. I just don't think I'm really on that same level of love for it. But um, I'm really excited for Delta Rune in 2087 when it finally comes out. <laughs> it's, uh, no, go ahead. I was going to just say that it's uh, it's also a game, I think, and I've only ever played it through once, but it's very much, especially speaking to our former producer, Barrett Courtney, it's very much a game that is predicated on beating it multiple times and seeing yeah. the way the game changes per those playthroughs uh, without spoiling too much for those who haven't played. But yeah, that seems to be a real crux of why people love it so much, but I, I haven't gotten to that point either. So I, I get where you guys are coming from. I, I feel like it's sort of a victim of its own uh, hype. Not necessarily hype is not really the word I would use for it, but uh, th- it, it does feel like there was, there was this like lightning in the bottle in the moment uh, mm. discussion that happened around that game and how it sort of bucked expectations and um, you know diverted what people really thought a game like that could be and many of us just kind of missed that conversation so coming in a couple of years later uh i feel like it was one of those things where it, i i wish i had played it when it first came out i had people to talk to it about it, and i was like oh my god did you see this did you find this because years later i'm i'm just kind of like oh yeah that's i played it for the first time last year and i'm i i'm totally with you guys i was like this is this is lovely and interesting oh wow look look at that i didn't know you could do that that's that's cute but I, to be like oh my god groundbreaking revolutionary i feel like i missed that conversation and i'm kind of envious of the people that were there for it yeah me too totally uh before we wrap up brian anything else that you just wanted to give a shout out that you've been playing um returnal i'm yeah. madly in love with this game i we touched on patch notes and stuff briefly but i do just want to say what is what an absolute delight this game is sorry <laughs> it's just like to to for Okay, let me let me gather my thoughts. <laughs> I I adore bleak, weird, hard sci uh, sci fi. I love horror. I, I love um sort of uh just dis- empty, desolate, dystopian hellscapes full of horrible aliens. I love schmops. Sh- uh, like this is such a what a wonderful, incredible convergence of things that I just deeply deeply adore i was like a few hours in this game and i was like i don't even understand how i could like this game anymore and then they were like oh you get like a beam katana lightsaber and i was like are you kidding me this is so extremely my i love this so so much um it hasn't really reared its head for me in terms of like the frustrating end game parts of it yet um i'm still taking my time this is a game that i feel like is best played with uh really nice headphones the the the, the sort of like the marriage of dual sense and and 3D audio in this game creates su- such a like w- such a di- distinctly next gen feeling that you know one of those things that I-, I feel like this is the first time I've really been like okay the PS5 is really singing right now in terms of what it's capable of doing the the little noises that it makes when like there are all these little audio cues that happen through vibrations on dual sense um, such as emptying a clip it goes like 
And it's just like one of those things that like I implore you to play this game with headphones on with with the dual sense all charged up, keep all the features going, but then also take your headphones off and do a run just listening to your controller because the amount of things that it is fe- like information it's feeding you uh just through haptic feedback is brilliant and uh I, I feel like they're not really getting the credit they deserve for that right now. I hope this is a new benchmark for what developers can do with those things. Um it's 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 the kind of thing that uh, if really people start firing on all cylinders on that on that front it's going to make the decision between playing a third party game on series x versus ps5 very easy for me because i i think people really need to start utilizing those features because they're fantastic but i love it the music's great the atmosphere is awesome uh the gunplay is fantastic the bosses are creepy and weird and gross um yeah i i just i love big bleak sci-fi horror stuff and it's just it's perfect what uh what biome are you on I'm on the third one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just wanted to check. Um, yeah, I just to follow up from last week, I'm in the fifth biome still. I'm taking my time, as Brian said, and it's just, I think the, the boss fights are like second to none. They are just some of my favorite boss fights in games in a really long time. They are such a marriage of third-person action and the bullet hell uh, shoot em up arcade style that Housemark knows how to do so well. It's it's such a treat. And yeah, as you were saying, it uses the PS5 in a, a way I don't really think a game besides Astros has so far. And I hope that it encourages other devs to do the same because it it does really feel quantifiably different here. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, we're going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, before before we do, uh, just wanted to ask if there's anything that any of you have been working on or uh, you know really enjoying recently outside of games that you want to plug. Brian, I'll, I'll just start with you. Uh, I talked about it before. I just uh, finished this feature, which was um, worked on by tons of people on the features team. Uh, the seven things you didn't know about Resident Evil. I've also uh, I have a couple of like really cool fun shoots coming up that I can share with some really awesome people. Um, hopefully those go well. Part of the reason my mom green screen today, but yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, Lucy. I want to share the fact that I have been watching the fast and the furious movies for the first time. Um, I'm up to seven now. So I've got two left. Um, I do want to say that Tokyo drift is not a cult like darling it sucked <laughs> it was so bad <laughs> you, you and lucy james have been watching at the same time and both i was like Tokyo watching it i was like oh it's gonna be like all subversive and i'm gonna find all these like amazing like little things treats to enjoy you know in this notoriously kind of clunky film but i was just like this is awful <laughs> um <laughs> But you know, like I've I've been I've been having a blast with it. Like, what a series to uh, to sort of binge all at once. Like, I, I I'm I'm having so much fun. I'm I don't want it to end. I'm very excited for the seven and eight. Uh, we're we're sort of eking it out slowly because yeah, we we don't want this this ride to end. And and Dorno, I've I've been enjoying sort of talking with you about it as as a fast and the furious connoisseur yourself of course of course uh no yeah, yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun to hear your updates and i um i think for anyone who is a fan and maybe isn't as keyed into like the industry side of things the like behind the scenes drama of that series is arguably as fun as what happens on screen <laughs> so if you've never really looked into like what's happened i definitely recommend taking a look around there's a lot of great uh, retrospectives and features and and stories and interviews um one of my favorite being sorry go ahead I know. Go for it. I was just going to say one of my favorite is the fact that uh, Ja Rule didn't come back for too fast because he wanted more money that they wouldn't pay for him. So they they introduced Tyrese Gibson's character uh, because they needed another supporting character for uh, Paul Walker's Brian. And then Tyrese has been just a mainstay because the series catapulted to such fame. And now they're all hugely successful. But he was like this. I, I want this to be like he really wanted the money and it just didn't happen. And he lost out on that's exactly and then ja Rule went on to the fire festival i mean he yep. made some great choices <laughs> in his career right um that's uh that's kind of what happened with iron man 2 right uh with uh, uh Jill came in for uh yeah yeah using the same character yeah when they when they empire switched uh roadie yes yeah i'm i'm totally blanking but yes yeah um uh, the, the, one of my one of my favorite anecdotes about the Fast and Furious movies is that weird. Um, there's this constant like standoff between uh, Vin Diesel and the the Rock in terms of like height disparity. So they're shot at these bizarre angles where like it it one of them always looks like he's like forty feet tall and the other one looks incredibly tiny. And like I think they did it to make people feel like they're on the same page, 
but the reverse thing happened. And so like, there's this awesome meme of, uh, it looks like, it looks like people have drawn the rest of their bodies outside of the frame. So it looks like the rock <laughs> is holding up this baby Vin Diesel. And it's, it's so good. Yeah. I think that might've been in, in six Lucy, you may have had the, the greatest look at that, which is essentially in the driveway at the end where they kind of like slowly take steps toward each other, but they're not looking directly at one another. It's, it's incredible. The filmmaking that has to go into making those two men feel happy is just, well. I mean, this is the thing they they notoriously hate each other. I mean, this is no, this is no like inside a secret. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. They notoriously hate each other and you can so tell, you yeah. can so tell it's glorious. You'll notice that the most in fate of the furious when you get to eight but that's a conversation for another time uh colin anything that you want to shout out uh before we well to keep talking about fast and the furious um uh i i actually was gonna try to do the same thing as lucy and watch through it and i guess i got seven and a half minutes into the first movie and the uh the the gay f word i'm not gonna say it obviously gets thrown out like immediately and i'm just like oh my god 20 years ago was like a different era i can't believe but i do so, plan on watching so it was like halfway through that movie and i was like it's very cool yeah uh, but it was it was so it's so sexist like like going like i you know yeah. but it's crazy that in you know 2001 was it 2001 the first movie came out i think oh yeah i, th- I, I think so. it's yeah. crazy what we just sort of expected in like our mainstream entertainment we were just like yeah you can you can throw out the f word you can like just completely like treat these women as 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 just disposable characterless like objects and it's just it's kind of wild as you watch the series progress i mean you know it's not it's not exactly a progressive series by any means but (laughs) it it, it, you know you can see as the times change and they start becoming a little bit more conscious of that stuff and it's just it's wild that we were just like oh yeah that's that's just how normal that's just normal normal man stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh but non non fast and furious related um the social team, most of our stuff's like pretty like ephemeral and like quick and day of. So I don't have too much like long term stuff to try to plug. But um, we launched this new format last Friday called You Review. We're basically on Instagram stories. We uh, use the little slider tool with like an emoji. Uh, and then we sort of put like a one to 10 scale and we let people just review uh whatever they wanted to review from like the last few months so like wonder woman and uh i think returnal was on there and all that stuff um and so that that's been a lot of fun and it turns out uh everyone's average score for everything is a seven so that's a lot of fun (laughs) um uh it's not just us um but uh uh we're doing it again on friday with just resident evil games so uh, if you want to give your scores for all the Resident Evil games throughout history and you have a strong opinion, go on to our Instagram stories and you'll be able to, uh, to clock your vote. Awesome. I, I, I did love that feature and absolutely did each one of those when I, when I saw it come across <laughs> my stories feed. So I, I really like that format and I will uh, look forward to more of those. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, I just want to say, just go watch uh, The Mitchells versus The Machines on Netflix uh, if you want just an incredibly animated movie. It is just such a delight uh, from the Into the Spider-Verse team. Uh, they they are just operating on a different level, and it's just such a visual treat. I, I loved that movie so much. Um, but that is otherwise going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Lucy. And thank you, Colin, for joining me for this week's episode. And thank you, as always, to Red, our producer. Sorry for the curses that you have to bleep out. Sorry, uh, Red. Thank you, thank you to everyone else uh, who's been watching and listening and writing in. Uh, again, reminder, please stay tuned uh, to our Twitter accounts and uh, IGN.com for uh, info about what we have in store for episode 700. Hope it will be a really fun one. Uh, but we appreciate all of your support, as always. Uh, in the meantime, we hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And beyond. 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 Beyond.